On this episode of Rev Hang, Ben and I review the 2023 F1 and IndyCar seasons. Let's do it. Hello, everybody, and for the final time of the season, welcome to Rev Hang. I am your host, Nathan Nevue, and alongside me today, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Ben Bagley. How you doing, Ben? Oh, it's going pretty good. It's a little early, but I've got my coffee in my Portland IndyCar Grand Prix cup. And it has rejuvenated me to talk about racing. Nice. Yes, it is a little early, uh, but I'm glad we could finally time find a time to do this. Uh, it was a little busy for both of us over the last month or so. Past year. <laughs> year, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Um, holidays and whatnot. You are betrothed and now, Ben. Congratulations. Yeah, I I got all the major highlights of. The engineering lifestyle. You got the truck, house, wife. Uh, You're all set. still working on the race car, but we'll get there. Okay, we'll get there. Awesome. Well, uh, I don't know if any of that was completely off topic to this racing podcast, but this is in, indeed a racing podcast. So let's dive right in. This is the season review episode. Um, a little late, uh, obviously. <laughs> we are more than halfway through the off season at this point. We wanted to make but, sure the season was really over. Yeah. Yeah, you never know if, you know, Surprise Grand Prix could pop up. Um, unlikely, but, uh, I think we're, we're pretty safe in that regard now. Um, any, any, any Grand Prix would definitely be part of the 2024 season at this point. Yeah. Um, so now we can get this out. Uh, we are more than halfway through the off season, so that's kind of funny. Uh, but the off season has been very short this year. I don't know what it is, but um, yeah, the car reveals are like, like a month earlier than they usually are, huh? Not really, even. Uh, you're usually in like early to mid February. Oh, okay. Um, I remember them being in but, March uh, last year for some reason. Maybe that's just when we recorded. That might have been when we recorded, and that's probably when we'll record the first season, uh, or first episode of season three. Um, but let's move on with the first episode of season, or the last episode of season two. Um, and start with IndyCar. Going back to IndyCar, it's been a while since we've talked about IndyCar. Uh, and this season was, I don't think, quite as exciting as last season in 2022. But, it was very cool to see Alex Polo absolutely dominate the field, especially at the end of the season. This is the fun version, uh, for reference F1 fans, of what one driver doing really well throughout a season looks like. Yes. <laughs> other people can still win. Yeah, there's other people still win. Polo only run, he only won like six races, right? He won five. Five? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it, it is possible. It is indeed possible to dominate and not win everything, uh, as counterintuitive as that may seem to Formula One fans. Um, but yeah, Polo absolutely killed it this year. Uh, he was just pretty much unmatched. If he wasn't winning, he was right up there near the top. Um, so very deserving of the title. I think he won it with still a full race left uh, in the year. I think he started the Laguna Seca Grand Prix as the champion. Yep, he won an IndyCar that is, yeah, an IndyCar that is not easy to do. No, no, because the point titles are so high, and there's not a lot of races. Um, but yeah, so Alex Below crushed it this year. 
Um, let's talk about some people that did not crush it this year. Uh, obviously, Roman Grosjean, who we kind of dogged on the entire season. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was deserved. He it had was. a great starter season, minus the not finishing the races. Yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> he had a lot of DNFs. I think he had four or five. Um, not the most DNFs of the season, but uh, he was in a top car. He was DNFing consistently, and when he wasn't DNFing, he was uh, not too far too close to the front um he did have some good results uh he started the season out super well if he didn't crash out in st pete um looked really good really fast got a couple second places in long beach and alabama uh but his season really did not get much better from there and uh he did lose his drive with andretti i believe he did get hired on i think we talked about this uh, when it happened, but I think he got picked up by Dale Coyne Racing, was it? I think so. Was it Meyer Shank? I think it was Dale Coyne. Um, one of those. Uh, smaller team, but uh, I think it's the team that he started with when he moved over to IndyCar. So, uh, go back to right. that. I think it is Dale Coyne. Yeah, I believe so. It's the 51 car, for sure. Um, so I hope he has success there. I'm glad he did not end up getting booted out of the sport. Uh, and uh, we will see how things go with him. Yeah, I will uh, see. Felix Rosen, when he has a good race, he is very entertaining to watch. Yeah, he's very quick and very aggressive. Um, but he does grudge on things and crashes a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Next up, we have Felix Rosenqvist, who... I didn't realize had such a shaky season until I did all the stats for this episode and went through and <laughs> I kind of uh, forgot about took him. Four hours. Yeah. Uh, so he actually, spoiler alert for our predictions coming up, he was the least consistent driver this season in IndyCar, um, which took me by surprise because I was I thought he did pretty well actually. But looking at his results, Rosenqvist was either finishing in the top five or the bottom five. <laughs> wow. Pretty much. Uh, so you got lots of thirds, fourths, seconds, and then you got 19th, 22, 25, 20, 27. Like, so he was all over the place. Uh, he also had a ton of DNFs. I think just, I think he tied with Grosjean with the amount of DNFs he had. Um, which it didn't seem like. I don't know why we completely skimmed over him this year. But, uh, yeah, he also had kind of a rough year. Yeah. Hey, listen, there's 37 drivers on this driver list for the That's 2023 true. season. Yeah. I would make the excuse and say, oh, it's probably just because Grosjean was an XF1 driver and we <laughs> have more focus on that. But then I can't say that because Rosenqvist was also an F1 driver. So, um,. <laughs> <laughs> Or was he? No, no, he was Formula E. I don't know if he ever made it to F1. Uh, regardless. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Grosjean was more recent, I think, in our minds. Uh, Grosjean was in F1 when I started watching F1, for sure. So, 
there was that connection, I guess. Yeah, and um, definitely a much higher profile. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Rosenfist is kind of second, third driver at McLaren, whereas Grosjean was supposed to be the guy at Andretti. Uh, so, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I think Rosenfist did lose his seat at McLaren. I don't remember for sure, actually. Uh, might be speaking out of place on that. Um, but, uh, we will see what happens in the future with him. Hopefully he has a better season next year if he does, in fact, have a drive. Uh, and then the last driver, the unluckiest driver on the grid, the Fernando Alonso of IndyCar, Colton Herta. The poor guy. Poor guy. The worst luck of the season. Um, he did do better than the other two drivers that we have mentioned previously. Uh, he was consistently finishing between 5th and 10th, 5th and 11th in that region of the grid. Um, but, uh, he did have several occasions where he should have won races and did not because of situations that were not under his control. Um, yeah, I mean, he definitely, he and Grosjean, kind of two peas in a pod in terms of they'll be, you know, having really strong races and they'll just push it a little too far. Uh, they'll push their tire management a little too ragged. Uh, granted, I think Herta was victim to some more pit strategy errors than he should have been, but he definitely yeah. is, <laughs> he needs to work on his tire management a little bit, I think. Yeah, that's true. I think, I think it was Road America and, um, what was the other one? Uh, Mid Ohio, I think, were the two races that he was leading and had a solid lead, and then pit stops took that away from him. Yeah. Um, and then also Nashville, I think he was on for a good results, but then he put it on the wall, so that one was on him. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I hope he takes lessons from this year and puts them towards next year. I'm sure he will. He's he's a good driver. He's not going to get dropped by Andretti anytime soon. Um, he was more consistent than Grosjean for sure. And I think was he the f- best Andretti? Uh, let's see, Dixon McLaughlin, Newgarden. Those are all. Uh, Chip Ganassi, Erickson was Chip Ganassi. Erickson is moving to Andretti next year, though, replacing Grosjean, oh, which yeah. I am excited for. That'll be cool. Uh, Will Power was Penske. Kirkwood Herb- was the other Andretti, also right? Spensky. Yeah. So it looks like Colton Herta was the fastest Andretti this year, so there's no reason to replace him. Christian Lungard is also moving to Andretti next season. He's going to have a lot of irons in that fire. Hers. He might be. Oh, no. Lungard's moving to Chip Ganassi to replace Erickson. That's right. Okay. Oh, uh, Felix Rosenquist, by the way, is at Myers Shank Racing for 2024. Myers Shank. Okay, so he's at a smaller team now, but uh, at least he's got a got a drive. That's good. Yep. Okay. Uh, let's move on to the up and comers this season. We've got some newer drivers, maybe not rookies, but drivers that haven't been in the sport for very long that look like they could become stars of the future. First off was Linus Longfist. He only had a few races, but in those few races, super young guy, uh, really inexperienced, but he definitely um, 
show that he belongs in IndyCar, he can hang with the rest of the guys uh, no problem. So uh, it will be interesting to see if he, I think he got a drive? Maybe not. Um, there's so many drivers to keep track of, it's hard to like <laughs> keep all that in my head. It took me long enough to get the F1 drivers. It's going to take me a little longer on the IndyCar. Side. Yeah, there's more of them. Um, so we'll see what happens with him, but his the few results that he did have this year were very good. Uh, same cannot be said for Yuri Vips. <laughs> Everyone was interested to see how he would oh do in the sport. Yuri Vips did not do super well. Um, so I don't imagine we'll see too much from Vips in the future in IndyCar. Could be wrong. Uh, you never know. Next up, we've got uh, Christian Lingard. He absolutely killed it this year. Um, I think he was a rookie. Maybe it was his second season. Uh, where did he finish in the championship? He finished eighth in the championship and at most his second year. Yeah. Uh, and he got one win and two pole positions uh, and then a ton of like fourth through sixth places. Um, so... Yeah. Very excited to see what he does with, I believe, Chip Ganassi is where he'll land next season. Um, very happy he got a front-runner drive. Uh, he definitely deserves it after that season. Yeah, looking at the uh, names that he finished in front of is impressive. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, next up was Kyle Kirkwood. Uh, a name that we have gotten very used to seeing at the front of the grid this season, uh, which shocked me because he didn't have a great season last season. Um, but he was with Andretti this year, and he proved that he belongs with Andretti. He finished only four points behind the lead Andretti, Colton Herta, in the championship, and uh, beat all of the other Andretti drivers. Uh, so I think... Uh, he definitely proved he earned his spot there, which I was skeptical at the beginning of the year why why they picked him up because he didn't have a great year last year. Um, but they made the right decision, and uh, I think he'll only get better with time. Yeah, I mean, he even picked up a win in Long Beach. Uh, he picked up a win in Long Beach, and uh, he won two races this year. Let me see. Where's the other uh, one? Nashville. Nashville, that's right. So... Uh, two street tracks, not easy tracks uh, either. So good job to Kyle Kirkwood and to keep up the good work. And then the last one is Marcus Armstrong, who I believe won Rookie of the Year this year. Uh, he finished, where did he finish? 20th in the championship. But it was the head of the rookies. Um Pretty much as good as you can expect from a rookie. Uh, quite a few top 10 finishes. Uh, he didn't even do ovals, and he won the rookie of the year. Um, so if he did do ovals, especially Indy, well, actually, Indy wouldn't matter because they didn't do double points for Indy this year, which is interesting. Um, if, they, if he did all the ovals, he probably would have finished in the top. Looking at the points, probably top. 12 or 13 somewhere in there uh that probably feels reasonable. another yeah. another 100 points or so um so very good season for him for a rookie 
considering he didn't do ovals uh, and still won that award. Very good. Yeah. Who's his competition this year? We had Ben Peterson. Oh, for Rookie of the Year. Uh, yeah, Stingray Benjamin Rob. Peterson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Stingray Rob, Benjamin Peterson, Augustine Canapino, uh, who finished right behind him. But even though he was one spot behind him, he was 34 points behind him. Uh, which that far down in the field feels like a very large gap. That's a pretty big delta. Yeah. Um, and then Linus Lindqvist did a couple races. I think he would still classify as a rookie next season, though, because he didn't do enough to uh, earn that. Yuri Vips. Tom Blancfist was in two races this year. Um, I think that's it. But... Uh, yeah, so that kind of rounds off the up-and-comers. Uh, let's go through the championship standings for the final time this year. Our champion was Alex Pillow with 656 points. Second place was Scott Dixon with 578 points. Third place was Scott McLaughlin with 488. Uh, then we have Padua Ward with 484, Joseph Newgarden with 479, Marcus Erickson with 438, Will Power with 425, Christian Lungard with 390, Alexander Rossi with 375, Colton Herta in 10th with 356, then we have Kyle Kirkwood with 352, Felix Rosenqvist with 324, Roman Grosjean with 296, Rinas VK with 277, and Graham Rahal with 276 in 15th. 16th through 20th were Callum Ilaw with 266. David Malukas with 265, Helio Castro Neves with 217, Santino Ferrucci with 214, and Marcus Armstrong with 214 as well. And then 21 through 25 were Augustine Canapino with 180, De Francesco with 177, Stingray Rob with 147, Jack Harvey with 146, and Connor Daly with 134. And then 26 through 30 were Ryan Hunter Ray with 131. I completely forgot he raced this year. Uh, Benjamin Peterson with 129. Simon Paginet with 88. Takuma Sada with 70. And Ed Carpenter with 46. 31 through 35 were Linus Lungfist with 35. Tony Kanan with 18. Yuri Vips with 18. Tom Blancfist with 16. And Marco Andretti with 13, and then 36 and 37 in the Indy 500 only winners, or not winners, uh, drivers <laughs> were Catherine Legg and R.C. Anderson. I believe Tony Kanaan was also only, yeah, Tony Kanaan was also only Indy 500. So, You're that is all of them. <laughs> I did not expect you to read through all of them, especially not the points. I thought you'd be like, top 20, here's the points. But really, it's you the season it. review. It's oh. the last episode, Ben. We gotta, Given it we gotta really round it off. Yeah, that's why you're um, in church. All right. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know how to respond to that, but thank you. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Now let's talk about our predictions for the IndyCar season. Uh, I don't think any either of us got any of them at all predictions is a strong word yeah a shots in the dark or that's probably a little more accurate yeah yeah neither of us got any predictions correct uh or we're really even close on any of them (laughs) um so 
let's talk about it. <laughs> First off, total different race winners. Uh, what did you have for that, Ben, over the 17 race IndyCar season? <laughs> 17. Oh, that was weird. 17. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, 17 different race winners over what did the 17 you have? races. I had 11, which isn't much better, to be fair. Um, the total amount was actually seven, which, yeah, it's not close to either of us. I was, I was pretty bullish on this. Yeah, it was, it was funny though. And I remember like three races or four races into the season when that became impossible. Yeah. I, <laughs> I gave you some crap for that. Well, part um, of it, I forgot that there weren't more than 17 races in the year. Uh, so that, that really didn't help my case. Uh, yeah, so that's fair. I'll have to keep track of you know the really hard details, like how many races there are in a season, before I make my yeah, next well, at predictions. Least, at least you didn't say like eighteen or more. <laughs> that would have been entertaining. Um, all right. Uh, total DNFs. What did you put, Ben? One hundred fifty. Uh, and I had one twenty-seven, and neither of us were anywhere close. It was uh, seventy-two. I was shocked when I saw the number that low. I thought for sure it was going to be at least over 100. Some good clean racing this year. There, Yeah, to be fair, there actually were not as many DNFs as there were last year. I yeah, don't think. how many DNFs were there last year? Don't remember. Look and it up. <laughs> can't be bothered to look it, look it up. Unless it's on the script for the last, the last year uh, season review. It is possible. Um... But this year was 72. Neither of us were anywhere close. Uh, all right. Next up is the driver with the most DNFs. Um, I said Kyle Kirkwood. I was incorrect. What did you say, Ben? I said Alexander Rossi, and I was also incorrect. Yep. Uh, the driver with the most DNFs was a tie f between uh, Benjamin Peterson and David Malukas. Uh, both of them had six DNFs. Um, let me look at my spreadsheet here to see who else was high up on that list. Stingray uh, Rob's got to be up there, right? Stingray Rob was tied for second with five, um, along with Grosjean and Ray Hall. Um, and then four, uh, Devlin Day Francesco and Felix Rosenquist had four each. Um, we had Simon Pagano, Colton Herta, Jack Harvey, and Augustine Canafino with three. Uh, Renas VK, Helio Castroneves, Kyle Kirkwood, Takuma Sato, Pedro Award, Callum Lott, Tom Blankvist, and Ryan Hunter Ray with two. And then Santina Ferrucci, Scott Dixon, Marcus Erickson, Will Power, Joseph Newgarden, Catherine Legg, Ed Carpenter, R.C. Anderson, and Linus Lundqvist with one. And everybody else had zero DNFs, which, uh, that's like half the field that didn't have that any is DNFs, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that that was crazy to me too. <laughs> Better luck next year. It does help. It does help with IndyCar compared to F1 that it is very common for cars to go back to the pits, get repaired, and then go back out, even even if they're like twenty, thirty laps down. Uh, that's still not classified as a DNF. Um. So you have to really mess up your car if you're going to DNF an IndyCar. Romain Grosjean in Portland. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, 
All right, next up, we've got the driver with the most pole positions. Now, this was a six-way tie for first place. <laughs> we could have and neither of six us drivers, and we didn't get it. <laughs> neither of us got any of them. Uh, so I said Will Power because he did it last year, and he is he holds the record for the most pole positions in IndyCar history. Uh, what did you say, Ben? I had Newgarden because he had a really good season last year also. Um, I mean, he was fighting power for the championship last year right up until the end. Yeah, and to be fair to them, both of them did get uh, at least one pole position this season. Um, but the driver with the most pole positions was a six-way tie with two pole positions each between Grosjean, Rosenqvist, Herda, Polo, Ray Hall, and Lundgaard. Uh, so, <laughs> kind of sad yeah. that we didn't get any of them, but, you know, that's how it goes. We're learning, we're learning. All right, most consistent driver, the driver with, across all of their results throughout the season, had the lowest standard deviation, and uh, I said, Scott McLaughlin, what did you say, Ben? I had Pato Award. Oh, man, after my own heart. Uh, but <laughs> it did go to Alex Polo, uh, the champion. He just was always in the top five, pretty much no matter what. So very, very consistently good season from him. Uh, least consistent driver. This one surprised me a little bit. Well, we already talked about this. Um, but uh, I said Renus VK. That was my guess. And I thought for ben? sure I had it in the bag with Grosjean. Uh, yeah, I thought so too. Uh, but it did go to Felix Rosenqvist. He was the least consistent driver. Um, looking at my list down here. Uh, Roman Grosjean was... There were 28 drivers that I included on this list. I only included drivers that had at least five starts because uh, if you include all the uh, all the ones and twos, yeah, that would skew the results quite a bit. Um, <laughs> I don't think you can call someone the most consistent driver if they only have <laughs> one result and their standard deviation is zero. Um, but uh, so the drivers had to have at least five results. They had to be also a full-time driver, not just ovals. Um, so there were 28 of them, and at least consistent was Felix Rosenqvist, followed by David Malukas in 27th place, Joseph Newgarden in 26th, and Roman Grosjean was 25th. So oh. Joseph Newgarden was less consistent than Roman Grosjean that this year. That is insane to me. Yep. Um, Padua Ward was also near the bottom of the list. I, I can see that. That one... That one I was uh, keeping track of a little more. Yeah. Especially after the Indy 500. Yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. That was kind of when his season took a turn downhill. Um, but, uh, yeah, the interesting thing about this stat is it doesn't necessarily keep track of good drivers. Uh, so Alex Pillow, while he was the most consistent driver, the second most consistent driver was Benjamin Peterson, who was consistently in, like, 21st place. <laughs> uh, um that's awesome yeah because yeah. just standard deviations huh yep so this isn't about being consistently good or consistently at the front this is about being consistently in the same spot which includes the back of the pack uh so i mean if we took uh did this stat in 2019 i think williams would have been by far the most consistent team that year 
um, <laughs> finishing 19th and 20th every single race. We should never uh, change this. I I love that. Yeah. No, it's fantastic. I love this stat. It's just so hectic and <laughs> really, crazy. It really matches the vibe of the whole podcast overall, I think. Yeah. Uh, so those are our consistencies and inconsistencies. Um, let's move on to the driver with the most wins. What did you guess, Ben? So I thought Newgarden had it. I also thought Newgarden had it, but it went to Pillow with five wins. Uh, Newgarden had two, I believe. One or two. Um, at least one. I know he won an Iowa race. Um, but uh, let's move on to champion. Our ch- prediction for the champion of the season. What did you say, Ben? I thought Newgarden had it. Yep, yeah, and I said Scott McLaughlin. And uh, you were closer than I was on that one, I believe. <laughs> Newgarden did so well on all the other Oh, no, McLaughlin was third. Just could not put it together on the road courses. Yeah. Um, well, he was one of the most inconsistent drivers this year. Yep, there, there you go. <laughs> Shockingly. Um, and then our champion, obviously, was Alex Pillow. Yep. So, uh, not great on predictions this season, but I think we knew, I think we even said it in our first episode, that IndyCar is impossible to predict anything in. Which is why we love it so much. That's why it's... It's so great. That yep. being said, I'm putting Polo for every single category next season. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. He's a he's a good bet for sure. Um, but that rounds off IndyCar for this season of Red King. Red, what am I saying? Red King, Red Hang. <laughs> My brain. <laughs> the evil Red Hang podcast. The Red King. <laughs> Red King. Yeah. Uh, it's our evil twin brother. That doesn't exist. Uh, all right, so that's that's it for IndyCar for this season. Uh, hopefully you all enjoyed it. Let's move on to Formula One, uh, the bread and butter, the thing that got this podcast started, and uh, move into our talking points for this season. Um, Verstappen obviously dominated the season. He broke 18 records. And, of course, um, you're going to read them all out, aren't you? Oh, of course. I'm absolutely going to read them all out. Uh, because why not? Um, first off, most wins in a season at 19, then highest win percentage in a season at 86.36, most consecutive wins in a season at 10, most podiums in a season, 21, most consecutive points scored, which the streak is still going at 1,004, most points in a season, 575, highest percentage of possible points in a season, 92.7%, which is ridiculous. Uh, most laps led in the season, 1,003. Highest percent of laps led in the season, 75.7. Most wins from pole in a season, 12. Most races left before winning a title, 6. Most consecutive races as championship leader is still active streak at 39. Longest streak of converting pole into a win, 16. Most sprint wins in a season, 4, which is kind of a mess stat because sprints only been around for two years. Or three, two or three? Are we on? I don't mm-hmm. remember. It's It hasn't been long. <laughs> uh, I think three. I think this is our third year, actually. Um, and then most points between. Was it? Yeah. I feel like there were two Brazil 2022 was this. when we really started doing them, right? I just, I don't remember. 
It's possible. I'm sticking to it. Okay, I'll believe you. Um, where were we at? Okay, most points between P1 and P2 in the championship, 290. Highest percentage of points between P1 and P2, 50.43%. Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, percent of laps completed in a season, 100%. Uh, most pit stops by a winning driver in a race at six. And that was all of the records. That was uh, Qatar, right? Um, no, it was Netherlands. What? You had six pit stops in the Netherlands? Yeah, you remember how crazy that race was with, like, it, it, it would just absolutely downpour rain, and then it would stop, and then it would downpour again. Oh. And then there were, like, two red flags, and yeah. I, I do remember <laughs> now, yeah. I was like, how could any race have more pit stops than the one where they literally were forced to pit stop every 18 laps? Yeah, I think Qatar was either a three or a four stop race. That's um, wow. Okay, but yeah. <laughs> so uh, Max Verstappen just in a league of his own, literally this year. Uh, he's driving a Formula Zero car. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, there's not much to say about it. It's <laughs> he was just way ridiculously far ahead of everybody else um hopefully next season is more competitive but (laughs) judging by the news that we will get into in a little bit i don't really see that happening adrian knew you're revealing that he has made a car that is completely resistant to just air in general (laughs) it's so slippery (laughs) uh all right Next up on our list of talking points, Mercedes started slow but ended strong. Um, they, well, that that talking point kind of takes care of itself. Um, <laughs> they were they were probably third or fourth fastest, probably fourth, I'd say, at the beginning of the season. Um, but uh, they made some updates after the first couple of races, and then throughout the year they really caught up to Ferrari, especially. And uh, then it was pretty much a coin toss at every race who was going to be the fastest car, whether it was or the second fastest car, I should say, uh, the Ferrari or the Mercedes. Um, and even then, sometimes McLaren got in there. Um, so, yeah, Mercedes ended the season very well, considering how they started. Speaking of ending the season very well, considering how they started, uh, McLaren has a very bad habit of starting very poorly and then managing to claw their way back into the picture. But in this case, they did a lot more than just claw back into the picture. They had arguably uh, probably tied for second fastest car with Ferrari and Mercedes this season. And probably the second f- strongest season post-summer break, honestly. Oh, 1,000%. If we just took the post-summer break results, I think McLaren would have finished second, yeah, uh, in the championship. So um, I'm hoping for the first time in three years, four years, that they have a good start to their season. The McLaren Copium starts again. Yeah, already. It's already begun. Um, But yeah, so speaking of Copium, Ferrari was very consistent this year actually um a way better year than they've had in the past uh really since 2020 uh this has been their best year for sure even though they 
I don't think finished the drivers didn't finish quite as high as last season in the championship. I think this season went way smoother and was way better for them as a team. Um, I think you can tell the leadership is better with uh, what's his name, Fred Vasseur. Um, Fred Vasseur, yeah, thank you. Uh, way better than under Bonotto. Um, strategy, they still have some things to work out with their strategists, uh, but that's just kind of become their identity at this point. Yeah, they're the um, silly Italian team. They're very fun to watch, but not very fun to race for. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so they still did Ferrari things at a couple races, but it wasn't nearly as prevalent as it has been in the past. Yep. Um, so, and their car didn't break all the time, which was also another problem Big last year. Up. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Next up, we have Aston Martin. Very, very strong start to the season. We thought they were going to title fight with Red Bull for a few races. Uh, that did not happen. And then, um, yeah, <laughs> they were like, about, maybe they'll just fight with Mercedes. And yeah, then that if you, happen. if you, uh, it's they had the opposite season to McLaren. Yeah, like almost exactly. Uh, McLaren ended the race with being arguably the second fastest team. Um, and, uh, Aston Martin started the season being arguably the second fastest team and then ended the season as very, very much in the midfield. Whereas McLaren was very much in the midfield at the beginning of the season, if not back markers. Um, yeah. And somehow, it wasn't even that they weren't upgrade, updating their car. It was just that they kept making their car worse, I think. Yeah, I don't know what was going on with Aston Martin, but they just were not they were not doing something right at the end of the year. Um but uh we'll see what happens. They they just sold off a large part of their team to um I think it was a Ramco Yes. Uh, I believe it was, yeah. So big Saudi Arabian oil company. Um, Love that. Lots of money. (laughs) Lots of money being infused in that team. So it's possible they could jump up. Their wind tunnel should be done here in the next year or two. Uh, So we'll see what happens there. We'll see if Lawrence Stroll decides to dip out of the sport like the rumors are saying. Uh, And if that happens, then I... Can't imagine Lance Stroll would be far behind him. Um, all right. Uh, moving on, Oscar Piastri was the best rookie, in my opinion, since Charles Leclerc. He had a killer uh, season. Once they give him a good car, he really showed what he was capable of doing. Absolutely. Uh, there were several races where he uh, handily beat Norris. Uh like by a lot um he didn't always beat norris he wasn't as consistent at well actually i shouldn't say that because we literally have the stats that might prove me wrong uh but he didn't appear to be as consistent as norris did um he had a few races where he was uh kind of fallen off in pace didn't really seem like there was a problem other than him being just a little bit slow like in Brazil, where Norris was challenging for the lead, and Piastri was like ninth. Uh, so he had his moments, though. He won uh, two sprint races, I think. No, did he win the sprint in 
I think he won Belgium. One of them. No, Verstappen won that one. He just got pole for Belgium. Uh, so he won a sprint race. Yeah, he won Qatar. That's the one he won. Uh, and then got second in Belgium in that sprint race. Um, lots of good results. So great year for Oscar. Like I said, I think the best, the best uh, rookie we've seen since 2018 with Leclerc. Um, and uh, he can only get better from here, which is kind of scary to think about. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of his mistakes were rookie things with you know tire management, just kind of like the little racecraft stuff that you just need experience to figure out. And think about it, like before the year before this, he was not racing. He wasn't doing Formula E. He wasn't in Super Formula. He won the Formula Two Championship two years ago, and if you win, you have to take a year out of Formula yeah. Two. Was he even a reserve uh, driver? He was a reserve driver for Alpine. Oh, remember right, that right. whole shebang. Oh, yeah. It's not uh, coming back to me now. Right. Um, so he was a reserve driver for Alpine, but he was not racing anywhere. Uh, and reserve drivers are not going to get the full performance out of a Formula One car that, that you have to get uh, when you're actually racing it. Um, so considering he was coming from having an off year to putting in one of the best rookie seasons we've seen in a long time. Uh, I am very excited to see what he does in this sport. I I think if McLaren can stay near the top of the field, uh, he will score many podiums for them. <laughs> yes. Um, all right, let's talk about our favorite races this year. There are a lot to think about. Um, I think, for me, my favorite race was there were a lot of good ones yeah i know um, i gotta remember i'm trying to think about i mean australia well let's just talk about all of the good races that stand out this year the first one was australia australia was absolutely crazy especially at the end um i think we had eight dnfs uh that was that crazy oh crazy that was ending. a start restart yeah uh, where Hulkenberg almost finished on the podium. Uh, <laughs> so, um, that was so messed up. Yeah. Um, Australia stood out a lot. Azerbaijan wasn't too bad this year. Um, Canada was pretty good. I liked Spa. Uh, Spa was good this year. Spa was also good this year. Uh, with It was interesting with the sprint race there. I'm not sure how I felt about that. Because yeah. it's such a long track. The sprint race felt a little weird. Yeah, Spa was one of the first races where we were watching McLaren and thinking, "Oh, they, I think oh, they're they, back." I think they figured it out. <laughs> yeah, that was really uh, Austria. I think and Spa were the two where they were like, "Oh my goodness!" And Britain. Yeah. Um, uh, Netherlands was a banger this year. It was insane. Uh, yeah, just if you want to look at how changeable conditions affects a race, watch that race. That one was probably the best. Like changeable conditions race since germany 2019 um so and i would argue this one was better than germany 2019 as well yeah uh let's see monza was meh singapore um was a slow burn but the end was really good yeah uh that was the one where at the end you had signs in the lead with he was being hunted down by Norris and Russell, and then oh, Russell, yeah, the Russell decided crash. to drive into the wall at the end. Yeah. Uh, so 
that was that one. Singapore, I think, one of my favorites. It was a slow burn. I just love that track. So while it wasn't the most exciting race until the end, uh, I still just really enjoy watching that race. Um, How was Coda this year? I barely remember Coda. And that was one of the Coda most recent was, ones. It was okay. It wasn't spectacular. It was a max runaway again. Yeah. Um, Qatar was interesting. Maybe not the best race. I did not race. like Qatar. I didn't. It was, yeah. It wasn't fun to watch, but it was interesting. Um, we had forced pit stops, which I hated. That was, I hated that more than anything else about that race. Uh, that was very much in the Austria vein of track limits being enforced super strictly. Uh, the curves were absolutely demolishing cars. Um, and then also many drivers <laughs> were in Became poor health. physically ill. Yeah, after, after the race was over because of the heat. Uh, but Qatar is being moved to the end of the season, closer to the end, I think, next year. Um, so I think it's later in November, so it should be cooler next season, hopefully. Yeah. Vegas, um, despite all the stuff surrounding the race and the qualifying and the practice and all that, uh, the actual race was pretty good. Yes. The event had its, uh, bumps. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, being... A race on that scale on a street circuit through one of the busiest cities in the United States. Um, there's going to be problems uh, the first time around. Uh, so I wasn't really surprised as I feel like everyone else was shocked by it, but I really wasn't. Um, so I, yeah, Vegas, I think, was my favorite race of the season. Uh, wow. That, I mean, it wasn't, it didn't have as much action as something like the Netherlands, but the spectacle, it was racing in the US, it was the hype for it. I think maybe the reason it was my favorite is because it lived up to the hype and I really didn't think it was gonna. That's a good way to look at it. Um, I was not disappointed with Las Vegas like I thought it was gonna be, so maybe saying it was my favorite is a stretch. Maybe Brazil was my favorite because Brazil was also a banger. Yep. Um, so, yeah, everything about Brazil was good. Qualifying was insane because it was like pitch black outside because of the weather. Uh, and then, then the race was really, really good. Um, if you leave Verstappen out of it, uh, the midfield battle was really good. Um, and then, of course, you had the Perez and Alonso moment at the end, which is was. Very exciting to watch. I was on the edge of my seat. Um, but yeah, I think the season was pretty good. I mean, it's it's hard because <laughs> I feel like every year now I'm like just hoping for that 2021 season where it's competitive at the front of the championship and you never know who's going to win and every race is really good. But 2021, I think, will go down in history as one of the greatest Formula One seasons of all time, and it's going to be super hard to match. Yeah, yeah. That race towards the end, like every single race towards the end being so high stakes was awesome. Yeah, because but... every every single one like mattered so much. Yeah, I think 
I think Spall is my favorite is this year. Uh, and seeing McLaren come back was really cool. Uh, there's some good performances by other teams. Williams did pretty okay. Um, and I just, I love Spa's racetrack. Oh, yeah. Me too. Spa's my, my favorite it's track. It's my favorite on track the on there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, so you say Belgium. I will say Brazil was my favorite um, with Vegas and mm, Singapore being up there. Even though Singapore, I don't know, people crap on it, but I thought it was a good race. Um, all right, let's go through the standings for this season. Um, oh, well, actually, first we got to talk about what we look forward to next season. Uh, number one thing I look forward to is the silly season. Yeah, um, there's going to be a lot of contracts up. There are going to, I think... Oh man, what I saw some crazy number of contracts. I think it's like sixteen of the twenty are expiring at the end of next year. Yeah, uh, and we're also getting some be... rookies or drivers who were rookies but haven't really been performing uh, quite as well as the teams would hope. <laughs> Sergeant Sunoda. Um, well, mm-hmm. if they don't do really well this coming season, then there will be two open seats their teams. Yep, Sergeant Tsunoda, I think Guan Yu Zhou is also on that list. Yep. Valtteri Bottas' contract is up this year, and he was horrible this year. He might just retire in mountain bike in Colorado. I would not be surprised if this was his last year, yeah. Something about Finnish drivers going to Alfa Romeo, doing really poorly, and then retiring to go do what they actually want to do. Yep. Um, I would not be surprised if Bottas got out before he just absolutely trashes his reputation um granted he's in one of the slowest cars on the grid but he did even though even with that he did not do well at all this year um so i'm sad to say it because i was really hoping this whole botas alfa romeo venture was going to be a success just for his sake because he spent so many years in lewis's shadow at mercedes um but uh it was not the case. Um, but anyway, back to what we're looking forward to next year. What are you looking forward to next year, Ben? I am looking forward to seeing what progress the teams have made on their cars. There are a lot of teams that didn't really get their cars figured out till summer break, and I'm hoping that we can kind of see much more closely packed competitive fields um, because of that. Like, Hopefully Aston Martin gets their stuff together so we can kind of see how they were at the start of last season, this season. But then also get, you know, Mercedes, Ferrari, McLaren, all kind of at the top of their game at the start of the season and just going up from there. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm excited to see what magic Adrian Newey has done on the Red Bull card because it says in the paddock news somewhere, a little spoiler alert, but uh, they've already started working on their 2025 car. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited to see what car they're so confident in. They've just stopped working on it. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. I'm really interested in the cars. Uh, I'm kind of holding my breath on the drivers until next season when the contracts expire. But I am yeah. casually curious about if Logan Sargent can actually prove his worth. Uh, keep that little American flag icon on the uh standings list hope so 
That would be very nice. Um, yeah, let's move on to the championship standings. Uh, in first place was Max Verstappen with five, 575 points. Second place was Sergio Perez with 285. That gap is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> and then third was Lewis Hamilton with 234. Uh, then fourth and fifth were Alonso and Leclerc tied at 206. 6 through 10 was Norris with 205, Sainz with 200, Russell with 175, Piastri with 97, and Stroll with 74. Uh, 11 through 15 was Gasly with 62, Ocon with 58, Albon with 27, Tsunoda with 17, and Bottas with 10. Uh, and then 16 through 20 were Hulkenberg with 9, Ricardo with 6, Joe with 6, Magnussen with 3, and Lawson with 2. And then our last two drivers uh, were Logan Sargent in 21st with one point and Nick DeVries in 22nd with zero points. Ah, uh, Nick DeVries. We hardly knew ya. Yeah. Poor guy. He got like eight races and he was booted. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. All right. Constructors Championship. First place was Red Bull Racing with 860 points. Second was Mercedes with 409. Third was Ferrari with 406. Uh, fourth and fifth were McLaren with 302 and Aston Martin with 280. Uh, six through ten was Alpine with 120. Williams with 28. Alpha Tauri with 25. Alfa Romeo with 16 and Haas with 12. Haas once again. Uh, <laughs> the fact being that the Alfa Romeo beat Haas. But yeah, how with how bad that car, car was. Yeah, yeah, and with Haas qualifying as well as they do. Yeah, is, well, know. that was the thing is Haas is like they were qualifying super well. Like Hulkenberg made Q three, probably at least ten times this year. Um, but uh, it just once it got going in the race, the tire management was so bad that they would just dropped like rocks. Uh, so unfortunately, they uh, were not able to get something going this year. I, I know I've said this before, but I really think it's time for a new team principal. Um, it's been time for a new team principal for a little bit now. For a while, like everyone loves watching Gunter Steiner on Drive to Survive. I get it, but he's not getting the job done. Nothing has changed. Like. The fact that they have retained both of their drivers this season tells me something's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's, I, I don't, I don't hate either of the drivers. I don't want to hate on them, but Magnuson especially, I don't think deserve to get re-signed. Um, Hulkenberg carried most of the points for Haas. He had 10 of their, why is it saying? No, wait, Magnuson had, no, that's pit stop. Never mind. Hold on. Hulkenberg <laughs> had nine of the 12, and Magnuson had three. Uh, and. Yeah. Where did Magnuson get his third? Something might be off, but it's okay. It's, it's close enough. Close enough. <laughs> um, two, 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 five. Huh. Yeah, something's weird, but it's okay. Um, yeah. Magnuson did not uh, 
score a lot of points this year. And uh, might as that, well have uh, Mick Schumacher at that point. Exactly. And then they would at least yeah. have a, a young, marketable driver who could learn and continue pushing the program forward when they actually got their stuff figured out. Yeah. And I'm surprised they didn't take an F2 driver, uh, young guy, rookie. I mean, I know they don't like doing rookies after what happened a couple of years ago. Yeah, but that's because they had um, two of them. That's because they had two of them, and one of them was a pay driver that did not deserve to be in where he was. Uh, they had to take him because because of the money. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like um, they lost points by not having a, a veteran driver like Magnuson at the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think what I would have done, I would have kept Hulkenberg. I think Hulkenberg performed pretty well this year, uh, considering the car. Um, but I don't think the same for Magnuson, uh, and I would have dropped Magnuson and replaced him with someone like Teo Porcher, um, something like that, uh, or maybe even tried to snag Daniel Ricardo before he went back to AlphaTauri. I don't know if that was ever even possible. Um, probably not, but probably not. Teo Porcher, Teo Porcher was available. He was. Uh, I think he, yeah, he won F2 this year, so he'll be sitting out next year. So, um, there will be a, a break for him, unfortunately. Um, but we'll see what happens there, uh, with Teo. I'm sure he'll get a drive at some point. The silly season's going to be crazy next year. He'll probably end up replacing either Sergeant Sunoda or Joe would be my guess, or Batas. Um, that would be my guess. Uh, this was Alfa Romeo's last season. forgot to say that. Um, oh, yeah, they're now Stake F1. Stake F1 team, and they, they got rid of Sauber, too. Uh, so Sauber is no more. Uh, that was That's kind of sad, because they've been in F1 since the early 2000s and had lots of success and hardships, but... Uh, they, they've been in the sport forever, so kind of sad to see them go, especially in the way that it happened. Um, they kind of just got bought out by Stake. What does Stake uh, even do? What What is Stake? It's a like sports betting website, I of think. Of course it is. Wonderful. Yeah. Aston Martin yeah. has been partially bought out by a Saudi oil company, and Alfred Mosauber has been replaced with a gambling company. Yeah. I mean, Wonderful. it's... Thank, yeah, thank you, F1. Very cool. Yeah, you can tell that money talks in the sport. Um, that's just kind of how it goes. But I mean, it's to be fair, it's always been like that. Marlboro owned a team forever. Camel owned a team. Like big tobacco was a huge thing in the sport before it became illegal to that's advertise fair. on TV. I guess the tobacco companies felt like real companies. Gambling websites don't feel like real companies. They feel like money laundering schemes. That's fair. I would put oil companies in the same vein as tobacco in terms of yeah, that's, how that goes. That's though. a little more respectable. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't give Aston Martin any crap for being bought out by an oil company. Because, I mean, if Elf or uh, like Shell had an F1 team, which I think they both have in the past, I wouldn't... Uh, I wouldn't look at that sideways. That's fair. 
Um, but, uh, regardless, um, what were we talking about? Oh, gambling steak. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's a little controversial. A lot of people aren't happy about it. Um, I, I don't know how I feel about it. It's, it's one of those, like this company, they make their money by ruining people's lives. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's not doesn't leave the best taste in your mouth. No. Um it's yeah, they are steak F1 team now. That's what it is for now. The good news is is that will last for like a maximum of 2 years and then it becomes Audi. So that that is fair. Uh, Hopefully we we'll at least get a couple cool liveries out of it. Mhm. Maybe some interesting driver shakeups and then we can wash our hands of it and get an actual automotive manufacturer back in here. Yeah, let me Google real quick the company stake to see what their colors are. Uh, I've been seeing black and green going around a whole lot. Stake gambling company. I just see black as their logo. Is there what's is it stake.com? Yeah, yeah. stake.com. What kind of colors do we got here? Uh. It's just kind of a black. It's super basic, but black and green would make sense if they're going with the money theme. <laughs> uh, so uh, it will be interesting to see what their livery looks like because Alfa Romeo is no longer in the picture. So it's there's no guarantee it's going to be red. Like it's could be red. It could be any other color, um, which is kind of weird. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what I've been seeing going around on Reddit is kind of like a black with some neon green accents hmm interesting cool that's we'll right i dreamed there. it or hallucinated it it's really hard to tell nowadays <laughs> yeah um so we went through constructors results um talked about alfa romeo it being their last season sauber's out uh stake is in um speaking of all of that let's go into some paddock news that uh, kind of ties into paddock news um, Logan Sargent has been renewed with Williams for next season. I think we talked about that a little bit earlier. Um, but that just happened, what, a couple weeks ago? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Vowels was pretty, Vowels is still in charge of Williams, right? They haven't changed it again? Yeah. Okay. Still James Vowels, yeah. <laughs> to make, just to make sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, at the start of the season and midway through the season, he was still pretty committed. You know, he was saying that, we're going to give him two years because we pulled him out a little early. Um, but yeah, definitely towards the, the Liam Lawson, post-Liam Lawson, if you will. Uh, it was definitely up in the air. But I mean, they followed through on that commitment. So hopefully Sargent makes the best of it. Yeah. Um, I hope so, too. I want to see an American in the sport doing well. Uh, so Even if he's from Florida. He can... <laughs> Hey, he's still American. Yeah. Um, got to take what we can get. We're not going to get an we Oregon, in Oregon in there for a while. <laughs> we live in Oregon. I think Floridians are arguably more American than we are. <laughs> well, I'm pretty American. I think if you are pretty, an American more... competition between me and Logan Sargent, I'd beat him easily. That is fair. You are definitely more American than me, I guess. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you judge that, but... <laughs> I don't think you really can. I think that's un-American. 
that I mean that's true. We're all about so. uh yeah. I don't know. Anyways, anyway, we're this getting is off getting topic. A, this is a really this is weird not an spiral. Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's not an America podcast. It's a Formula One podcast. Exactly, Ben. Thank you. Uh, we are not nationalists. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the nationalist uh, podcast. Okay, that's my last one. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, all right, moving on with paddock news. Ferrari claims to have found a lot of downforce with their next car. Like a 20% upgrade is what they said, or 20 point, whatever that means. I don't think it's 20%. That would be crazy. Where, where uh, would they have found all this downforce? I don't know, but they also said that their car is 95% different from last year's car, which, being Ferrari, I feel like they're just going to shoot themselves in the foot doing that. The last time they did that was, yeah, 2022. <laughs> yeah, and we, we saw all that. saw how that went. It was fast, yeah. sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. Um, so we'll see if their new scheme works out better than this last year, which we'll see. I don't know. Um, they might be going towards more of a Red Bull design because their side pod design has been different from Red Bull's for since the new regs came out. I so they might. A lot of people be, will. Yeah. Um. Speaking of Red Bull, we talked about this a little bit. Rumors have said that Red Bull has already started development on their 2025 build, allegedly. Allegedly. However, allegedly. it does seem within the realm of possibility. Yeah. But if that's the case, I mean, it, that could mean anything, too. Like, they could just have started planning. That is true. Maybe thrown something together quickly. Maybe they had an idea that it's too late to implement on the 2024 car, so they're just kind of writing that down. That can mean anything. Yeah. They're just um, making goals for what they want the 2025 build to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think they're done developing their 2024 car by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but it is interesting seeing articles saying that they're already looking past this year. <laughs> um, also, can't I just saw something. It's in the rules now. Uh, teams are not allowed to start developing their 2026 car until the big uh, until the beginning of the 2025 season. Interesting. Is that, um, is that targeted specifically at a certain team, or I don't think so. Uh, it's a regulation change. And there are completely, like, completely different power units. That is uh, true. And Aero is going to be different, too. So I think it's a pretty level playing field. And so they're keeping it level by keeping everybody starting at the same time. Um, I think this regulation change is going to do a lot more in terms of shaking up the field than the last one did. Because, because of the new power units. Yeah, that's going to uh, be a game changer. Yeah, for sure. Um, there's no... It's going to be... The cars are going to be harder to drive. Like, way harder to drive. Because they're getting rid of the MDUH, MGUHs, which were the essentially the anti-lag systems. So, they're going to have massive amounts of turbo lag now. Uh, which makes cars ridiculously difficult to drive. A thousand horsepower with turbo lag? <laughs> no thanks. Yeah, and I, I can see teams using that room to program their cruise systems to you know account for that but it's still you're gonna see a lot more spin-ups on a uh, corner exits than usual i think yeah for sure uh and i think tire wear is gonna be an increased issue especially considering they're getting rid of tire blankets um oh i forgot yeah. about that 
that got pushed back to 2026, I think. Wow. Um, so that'll be the first year without tire blankets plus turbo lag cars with a thousand horsepower. Um, it's, <laughs> I think 2026 is going to be a very exciting season. It's definitely interesting for sure. Yeah. Um, so that kind of rounds off our paddock news for this episode. Let's go through the pit stop championship standings real quick. Uh, in first place was Sergio Perez. I don't really need to read all the points for this one. The second was Norris. The third was Leclerc. <laughs> Fourth and fifth were Sainz and Verstappen. Six. Oh, jeez, I messed up the numbers again. It's fine. Everything's fine. Uh, sixth was Piastri. Seventh was Sonoda. Eighth was Ocon. Ninth was Stroll. Tenth was Gasly. 11th and 12th were Alonso and Russell. 13th and 14th were Ricardo Hamilton. 15th was DeVries. 16th through 20 were Sergeant Lawson, Joe, Bottas, and Albon. And 21 and 22 were Magnussen and Hulkenberg. Haas running off the back. Wow, even <laughs> in pit stops, they're the worst. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't surprise me, though. They're the smallest team by a long way. That is also fair. They're practically IndyCar team. Practically, yeah. Um... Alright, and then the Constructors Pit Stop Championship standings in first place was Red Bull. Second and third were Ferrari and McLaren. Fourth and fifth were Alpha Tauri and Alpine. And then fifth through tenth were Aston Martin, Mercedes Williams, Alfa Romeo, and Haas. Alright, time to go over our predictions for this season. Um... Silly season predictions is how we will start this off. At the beginning of the year, we made all of these uh, predictions. Uh, you will hear for the rest of the episode. Um, so this was this was us predicting what the driver lineups would be in 2024. Yeah, uh, at the beginning of next year. Granted, this, year. this one's a little bit yeah. of softball. <laughs> Not many contracts were up for grabs uh, for the 2024 season. Uh, we did speculate yeah. heavily on 2025, however. Um, that yeah. is not in this well, episode. We are definitely going to have crazy predictions for that next season. It's going to be so great. Yeah. Uh, so give me uh, your prediction for... Okay, well, the first seven teams on our list are all the same for both of us. Which we predicted. We'll just get that out of the way. So Red Bull, Mercedes, Aston Martin, Ferrari, McLaren, Alpine, Williams, and ha uh, not Haas. Uh, we'll wait for Haas. Uh, <laughs> Red Bull, Mercedes, Aston Martin, Ferrari, McLaren, Alpine, and Williams. We all predicted the lineup would stay the same, and they all did. Yep. Um, moving on to Haas, uh, this is where I deviated. Uh, and this was, like I said earlier, I thought they were going to drop Magnussen and put in poor chair, but keep Hulkenberg. So my prediction was Hulkenberg poor chair for 2024, but it is not that what did you say ben uh, i predicted haas being up their own butts on this one uh so i predicted that they would keep their drivers no matter what and they're yeah they're gonna need a a, a big team shakeup to really get any movement on these contracts i think yeah so you got that right i got four chair wrong um moving on to alpha romeo um, I'll let you go first on this one. What was your prediction for 2024? I predicted a big shakeup. I was thinking we were going to lose Bottas for Schumacher. You mean Joe for Schumacher? Yep, Joe for Schumacher. Yep. Uh, okay, and I predicted we were going to lose Joe for Tsunoda. 
and that <laughs> either one of those would have been cool yeah uh although honestly keeping joe over botas seems like a, a not terrible move right now for alfa romeo considering yeah. the trajectory joe at least Looking... is younger he wasn't that far behind in points but he's definitely a lot younger yeah um I, looking at these predictions, I think this one was actually made during our mid-season podcast. Uh, but the other ones were definitely beginning of the year. Oh, you so. might be right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> of my last one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Alpha Tauri is the last one. Um, I predicted it was going to be Ricardo and Alex Polo from IndyCar. And I was uh, I was pulling for Lawson. In the same spot you had yeah. Polo. Uh, neither of those happened. That would be nope. silly. Yeah. <laughs> I thought for a second it was going to, but then it just kind of became a meme in this podcast as time went on. Yeah. Uh, that Polo would make it in, but uh, that did not happen. One day. It might happen in the future. If we or, talk yeah. about it enough. I'm going to call, well, I was going to say I was going to call France Tost right now, but he just quit. So uh, <laughs> I guess I'll call Helmut Marco. He's the next best one. Yeah. I just, I have him on my, he's uh, second on my speed dial. Who's your first on speed dial? My girlfriend. Oh, that's cute. Yes, of course. <laughs> uh, but then Helmut Marco, and then my parents. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Moving on to our predictions for the 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 actual predictions for driving things things that drive. Um, constructors championship. Uh, give me your. We'll just do this one place at a time. First place, we both said Red Bull. It was Red Bull. Second place, I said Mercedes. What did you say, Ben? I had Ferrari. And it went to Mercedes, so I got that right. Third place. the swap. Yep. Yep. Third place, (laughs) I had Ferrari. You had Mercedes. And it it was Ferrari. Ferrari. Yep. So I know. I was way too bullish in Alpine, though. Yeah. (laughs) I got the first three. I'm happy with that. Um fourth place i said aston martin what did you say i had alpine and uh mclaren took fourth place fifth place i <laughs> i had haas <laughs> uh what'd you say man uh, mclaren and went to aston martin wonderful uh sixth place i said alpine what'd you say ben i had aston martin <laughs> and it went to alpine so i got that one too this is so frustrating i hate this <laughs> seventh place i said mclaren what'd you say Seven. I had Haas. What was I thinking? It went to William. Well, what was I thinking? I had them fifth. Uh, it went to Williams in seventh. Uh, eighth place, I said Alfa Romeo, and it looks like you did too. Yeah. It went to Alfa Tauri. So uh, ninth place, yeah. we both had Alfa Tauri. It went to Alfa Romeo. And tenth place, we both had Williams, and it went to Haas. So, um, <laughs> yeah. We really thought we- Haas would do way better, didn't we? <laughs> Well, I thought so. I thought bringing Hulkenberg in was going to be a huge catalyst, but it was yeah. not. Um, oh, man. All right. Drivers' Championship. Uh, this one is not good. <laughs> um, first place, we both said Verstappen, and it went to Verstappen. And that's about where the good news ends. Yeah. Um, all right. Second place, what'd you say, Ben? <laughs> I had Russell. And I had Leclerc and went to Perez. We Third place. had it out for Perez. This definitely was mid-season, for sure. Huh? Was this no. start of the season? No, this is start of the season. Wow. Okay, yeah, we had it out for Russell <laughs> before the season even started. For Perez, you mean? 
Perez, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, and I don't think... I don't think we thought it was going to be... The cart was going to be that far out in front. That's like also it was. true, yeah. Um, all right, second place, third place. What did you have, Ben? I had Leclerc. And I had Russell. And it went to Hamilton. Fourth place. I had Sainz. I had Hamilton. It went to Alonso. Very cool. Fifth place. What did you have? I had Perez. And I had Sainz. It went to Leclerc. <laughs> uh, for just spoiler alert, none of the rest of these we got right. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, sixth place. What did you have? Sixth place? That was where I had Hamilton. I had Perez in sixth. Then I went to Lando Norris. Seventh place. What did you get? Alcon. I had Alonzo, and it went to Sainz. Eighth place. Alonzo. I had Alcon, and it went to Russell. Ninth place. Norris. I also had Norris, and it went to his teammate, <laughs> Piastri. Uh, tenth place. Bottas. I had Stroll, and it went to Stroll. So oh, there you go. I think, I think that's the only other one I got. Uh, 11th place, we both had Magnuson. It went to Gasly. 12th place, we both had Gasly. It went to Alcon. <laughs> 13th place, what'd you have been? I had Stroll. And I had Hulkenberg, and I went to Albon. 14th place. Joe. I had his teammate Bottas. It went to Yuki Sonoda. 15th place. Hulkenberg. I had Piastri, and it went to Bottas. Uh, 16th place. Oh, boy. DeVries. Wow. I, I had Joe. It went to Hulkenberg. 17th place. Sunoda. And I had DeVries in 17th, and it went to somebody who was not even on the grid at the start of the season, Daniel Ricciardo. Uh, we only made 20 predictions, so I only put our 20 predictions. <laughs> <laughs> so, unfortunately, Sargent and DeVries uh, were not even on the results list. Um, Alright, where were we at? 18th place, what'd you get? Albon. I had Tsunoda, and it went to Joe. In 19th place. Piastri? Oof. I had Albon, and it went to Magnuson. And then 20th place. Sargent. We both had Logan Sargent, and it went to Liam Lawson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that's so a meme right there. That is a meme, in fact. Uh, we d- we did way better on the rest of the predictions. Uh, yeah, we actually did. We got a lot closer. We're learning. Um. Yeah, I was surprised at how close we were with, like, uh, well, we'll get to it, but yeah. we were really close on a lot of these, which I was not expecting. Uh, so, speaking of which, total safety cars and virtual safety cars combined for this season, uh, there, I had to go through on F1 TV and scrub through every single race and count. Oh my god! So, it is possible, it is possible that I missed a virtual safety car. I know for a fact I did not miss a safety car. But it is possible I missed a VSC because sometimes they can last for like 30 seconds to a minute. And I think I was skipping about 90 seconds at a time. Um, <laughs> Those so, ones don't really count, though. Those are, yeah. Yeah. So I'll just put that asterisk in there. But I do believe that the total amount of safety cars and VSCs combined was 28 this year. What did you say, Ben? I had 27. And I had 30, so both of us are right there. All Good right, job, next up. Yeah, most fastest laps went to Verstappen with nine. What'd you say, Ben? I was really picturing Russell as Mercedes' sacrificial lamb. 
<laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I uh, I had LeClaire. Um, but yeah, Verstappen dominated that one like everything else this year. Um, total different race winners. What did you say, Ben? I had five. And Much more I reasonable than my IndyCar prediction. Yeah, I had seven, and it was three. <laughs> Not so, bad. Yeah. Uh, didn't even seem like three, but it was. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, the fact that there are only three different race, race winners is bad, but the fact that we were close, I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, fastest pit stop team. What did you say, Ben? I had McLaren. And I had Red Bull, and you got it right with McLaren with their time of 1.80 seconds. Absolutely blistering. Yeah, ridiculous with the new pit stop regs that they got that. Um, all right. Total DNFs. Um, what'd you say, Ben? I, oh, excuse me. I had 60. And I had 71, and it was 69. So close. Yeah, very close. Uh, team with most DNFs, what'd you say? I had Alfa Romeo. And I had Alpine, and it was Williams. Really should have thought about that team with the brand new rookie, also kind of a back marker. You're gonna—that's a recipe for crashes right there. Yeah, uh, I think Alpine. They Alpine was second. They had 11 DNFs. Uh, so Williams just barely took that, um, but Sargent caused, I think, eight of the 12 DNFs. Nice. Um. Driver with the most pole positions. What'd you say, Ben? I had Verstappen. I had Leclerc, and it went to Verstappen. But Leclerc was second. It just wasn't close. <laughs> uh, Verstappen had 13, and Leclerc had four. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Most consistent driver. What'd you say, Ben? I had Hamilton as my most consistent driver. And I had Alonzo as my most consistent driver, and it went to Max Verstappen. Big Shocker. surprise. Everybody's surprised. Um, yeah, it was, that makes sense. Not even close. <laughs> yeah, I think Guan Yu Zhou was second. Actually, let me bring it up. I have a spreadsheet that I can do things with. Uh, standard deviations... All right. So Max Verstappen was the standard deviation of 0 0.86. Um, second place was 2.33. Nick DeVries, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, one of those stats where you don't have to be good to get a consistency thing. Yeah, DeVries also didn't have as many races, so that also helped. That did. That is true. Yeah. Uh, he had enough to where I included him, though. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, Nick DeVries got second on that list. Uh, anyway, least consistent driver. What did you say, Ben? I thought for sure I had it with a clear this year. Yeah. And I had Hulkenberg, and the least consistent driver of this season was Sergio Perez. Uh, can, <laughs> can you get off our backs now about hating Perez? Like, we have the math to prove it. We have the it. data, the statistics. <laughs> the statistics don't lie. We don't hate the guy. We love him. He's about as close, at least for Oregon, as a home team driver as we have. Yeah. Uh, but um, he just was not very consistent this year. Yeah. And do you want to guess who the second least consistent driver is? It's going to shock you. Um. 
Was it Leclerc? It was not Leclerc. Oh, was it Sergeant? No, nope. Sergeant didn't do well enough. Sergeant to be... was up there in the <laughs> consistency. Yeah. Um, was it Norris? It was Lando Norris. Ah, that's like yeah, a good kind was... of not consistent though. Yeah, he was almost as inconsistent. It was like very close between him and Perez for least consistent. Um, but that's because he started the season finishing consistently 15th to 17th and then ended the season finishing second and third. So, um, yeah, quite the swing on McLaren's front. Uh, but yeah, Lando Norris was almost the least consistent driver, even though he's one of the best on the grid. That'll happen. That does indeed happen. All right, most consistent team, would you say, Ben? I thought it was going to be Red Bull. Uh, yeah, Perez ruined that for you. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was going to be Mercedes, but it was Haas. <laughs> uh, Haas for the wrong reasons, uh, consistently at the back. The most um, consistent team and least consistent team are both awesome. Yeah. Uh, what'd you say for least consistent team? Uh, my least consistent team, I thought it was going to be Alfa Romeo. Uh, no, they were pretty consistent. Uh, mine was McLaren, and I actually got it right. It was McLaren. No way. It was the least consistent team. Yep. That's awesome. Because Piastri was also inconsistent because that car started oh, so bad. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The fact that you so, you guessed that. That was why I guessed that, is because they always start bad and finish strong. But That's... this year, it was just taken to the extremes. They started as like one of the worst, if not the worst, team and finished as the, probably the second or third best team on the grid. That's a 4D chess pre-move right there. Yeah. <laughs> I was happy with that when I saw that. Um, but yeah, so that rounds off our predictions for the Formula 1 season. Um, I'm going to try to add some different... Uh, some either I don't know if I should do more or just different uh, categories. I'll probably just switch some. Um for next season might add a couple um but uh yeah let's move on to our overtake of the season award uh we've got some honorable mentions here first off was alonzo fernando alonzo for his overtake on sergio perez at the brazilian grand prix on lap 71 this was the last lap overtake where he just barely held on at the end on the back straight for the podium uh, fantastic overtake. Of course, it happened on the last lap of the race. Um, had everybody on the edge of their seats and, uh, was very good to see Fernando get one last podium before the end of the year in that car, which was not great. Yep. Um, Tony Kanaan gets our second honorable mention for his overtake on Scott McLaughlin at the Indy 500 on lap 91. Uh, he decided it was a rally race <laughs> and took his 220 mile per hour IndyCar off-road to pass McLaughlin on the grass on the inside, made it stick into turn three, and uh, it was just... The, <laughs> that was the, such a cool moment. Yeah, <laughs> it takes it takes some guts to do that. Um, very cool stuff. 
Uh, so congrats on your honorable mention, Tony Kanan. Third place goes to Leclerc for his overtake on Perez in Las Vegas on the last lap. Very similar to Alonso on Perez the race before. But uh, this was uh, another last lap overtake. Dive bomb into the last available overtaking position to take P2 in the race. Uh, so one and three were pretty similar. And then our winner uh, for overtake of the season, I think, was a pretty clear winner. Uh, I gave it to Devlin DeFrancesco for his overtake on four cars at turn one at the Indy Road Course the second time. Uh, he started in P5, I believe. Yeah, P5. Yeah. And sent it around the outside of four cars into turn one and made it work. Yep. It wasn't even super flashy. He didn't have to get off the track or anything like that. He just teleported he just from sent P5 it, yeah. to P1. Yeah, it was one of the cleanest, like, dives. It was like some Forza racing, like, on the For Xbox. Real. You just go around the outside of the corner and pass all the CPUs or the, yeah. the computer cars, whatever <laughs> they're said- called. He set the difficulty to zero percent and then went and yeah. did that. Yeah. No, it was. If you haven't seen that overtake, uh, go look up the Gallagher Grand Prix and just watch the first uh, forty-five seconds of it, and you'll see what we mean. Yeah, you don't have to watch long. <laughs> yeah. Um. But that was our overtake of the season, and that rounds off our season review episode. A sweet hour and a half long. Nice. Nice and tight. Uh, Nice and tight. Um, all right. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening to this episode and this sophomore season of Rev Hang. If you enjoyed it, leave a like or rating on the platform you listened on. It really helps us out. If you'd like to follow our thoughts and opinions on the motorsport world, follow us on Instagram and X at Rev Hang Media. If you have any thoughts or questions about racing or even about us, post a tweet or an X or whatever they're called now at hashtag Rev Hang Podcast, and we may feature your question on the next show. You can follow Ben on Instagram at BenjiMeetsWorld and or myself at 2N underscore squared. And while you're at it, go check out our website, RevHang.com, where you can find the final standings for the racing series we talked about this year, as well as our predictions throughout the season. We will return in probably mid to late February after the livery reveals to delve into the 2024 F1 season with our livery ratings and season predictions. Until then, Ben, do you have any words of wisdom to leave our listeners to ponder over for the rest of the offseason? Do your chores on time. Uh, I recently learned this while pruning trees around my property. Um, The longer you leave things undone, the harder they get and the less you'll want to do them because they get harder to do. Uh, So the sooner you jump on those projects, the sooner you jump on getting those chores done, they're so much easier and you don't have to worry about it. You can use more mind space for solving world hunger or global warming or anything like that. Um, also, a little bonus piece of advice, the closer your mic is to your mouth, the better it sounds. Um, I'm sure you noticed a difference about a quarter way through the season. Um, that was when I realized that fact and moved my mic just in front of my keyboard, and I think it's made a really good difference. So... uh yeah, get your chores done and keep your mics close to your mouth. Awesome. Good stuff, Ben. Thank you for that. 
And once again, for the final time, thank you, the listener, for listening. It's a ton of fun to do this. Um, we may not have a huge following yet, but I am still enjoying doing this. It's a fun thing to do on a semi-weekly basis. Yep. Um, so if you guys like it, let us know. Uh, we need that sweet, sweet Twitter engagement. We're, <laughs> we're not even going to... Is it too cliche to still do the or X or whatever it's called and lampshade? I don't know. It's a meme now. It's it's whatever you call it. Um, But uh, regardless, we we really like, you know, everybody says this, but it would be really cool to hear from you guys if you've got any suggestions or questions. Um, That would be really awesome. So if you're interested, uh, there's not going to be a lot of people in front of us. So if you have a question or in front of you, uh, if you do have a question, feel free to reach out and it will most likely be answered on the show. I will spend an entire episode answering the most mundane question. It doesn't even have to be related to F1 or racing. Honestly. Ask literally anything. As long as we feel comfortable putting it on the internet, we probably will. Yeah. (laughs) Unless you tell us you don't want us to. And then in that case, I'll just respond in the DMs. But anyway, uh, regardless, thank you for listening to this season. We will be back next season new and improved i've got some ideas and uh so hopefully we can get this thing growing a little bit but until then see you next season (laughs) see you later i've been nathan and i'm ben thanks for hanging out